Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of 35 Minutes with a Classmate. I'm Gabe Malika. It's nice to be able to chat with everyone again. This week's episode is with the wonderful Mel Johnston. She's a musician. She's a writer. She's an educator. She's a humanist uh, a uh, and just like a good person, a good, thoughtful, kind, sweet, interesting motivated, curious person uh, that I'm proud to know. And so we had a really great time. We had a really great time chatting on this episode and we get into her new band, Mel and the Tall Boys. She sings in a band with last week's guest, Kim Foxen called the Foxy Johnstons. I will make sure to link to their Spotify together um, and Mel and the Tall Boys, their band's page um, as well on Spotify where they just released a single, um, a little bit of sad, uh, news in the garden city orbit that I just wanted to address real quick. Um, which is that, uh, last week, uh, garden city lost Gail, Joe and Molly Madigan. Um, Molly was about to graduate garden city high school and study music at NYU. And so, um, but we lost them to a fire. And so in the bottom of this episode, I've included the link to their GoFundMe, um, which will cover funeral expenses, but also start a scholarship on behalf of Molly um, that um, Claire, Emily, and John Madigan will use uh, to set up a fund and for pay for expenses. And so I just, I just contributed. I encourage everybody to contribute um, that, you know, Garden City is an imperfect town, but in moments of tragedy, I found that um, at our best, we do we do band together like any good community would. And so I wanted to mention that um, because I think it's important. And so I appreciate you all for listening. Um, I love each and every one of you. I really, truly do. And I value you. And life is short and crazy and unfair. And so I'm glad I have... Um, just a quick opportunity to say that, um, in the spirit of that, this week's ad is brought to you by my college therapist, Dr. David Walden, who writes, quote, please be, please be gentle with yourself. You're beautiful. I think that's a nice note too, to end on. So this is 35 minutes with Gabe Malika. This is my guest, Mel, not Melissa, Mel Johnston. Enjoy. Here is Mel Johnston. Hello. Hi, Mel. How's it going? Going good. Should I put um, headphones in? Is if that... you have them, but you sound great. Look at that mic. Hey, what can I say? I'm trying my best over here. <laughs> yeah, you got a nice one. I'm admiring. Thank you. Yeah, this is like an AKG. It's not mine. It belongs <laughs> to my boyfriend, who this is most of his gear in here, but we combined gear. Yeah, that's what that's what relationships are. You just you you trade gear. I think so. I think that's like a major benefit. <laughs> Audio is not going to like slap back in a weird way if I don't have headphones. Um, oh, if you have them, that's great. If you don't have them, I'm sure it'll be fine. But my. Let me see. Oh, yeah. See if you have them. Just plug in these little earbuds. Yeah. 
are we like are we rolling right now what's what's oh, the yeah. deal yeah 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 we uh yeah that's just sort of how i i i steal everything a lot from pete holmes do you ever listen to that podcast it was one of the things Jenny you made it weird about. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. I don't listen to it anymore. I sort of like outgrew it. But when I was in Scotland, it was like the only thing I cared about. Yeah. Um, and it's turned into him just doing a podcast with his wife. And I was like, that's just what it was always going to become. Just like that guy talking to his wife. Um, but yeah, he just starts by rolling. And so that's, we are our influences, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's uh, that's a good way to like, kind of take the temperature on the person you're with of like okay how are we doing today it doesn't have to be some canned like all right so uh welcome 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 and let's go let's go let's go like yeah it makes me it would make me nauseous to be like and so welcome to the pod melissa johnston like it was like (laughs) like i just like don't have that in me Uh, and so i'll do it i literally i'll do it in post Uh, i'll like record a thing later yeah. And it also lets me like, sometimes I get in the weeds with people about like people or places and stuff like that. And so the intro is a nice place to be like, oh yeah. Like when we were talking about like, I don't know, chamber choir, like chamber choir is this thing. So like, if you don't know, like that's what, or like whatever it is. Um, Cause I have to record, I talked to Kim yesterday. And so I have to record my Kim intro outro today. Oh um, yeah. Are you just, you're just like interviewing all my best friends. Is that I know, what's I know. going I, on in this None podcast? of this is intentional. <laughs> people, people like think I have this like master plan and like there truly is no master plan. <laughs> it's well, just like, I, who do I want to talk to? I, I've been devouring these podcasts because, um, everyone that you've had on is just so wonderful and kind and talented and you're pretty cool too (laughs) and also a lot of these people are like my really good friends so of course i'm gonna listen to every second (laughs) (laughs) well good i sort of i feel this is this i say this only for me really like in my head like i don't like advertise the podcast this way but i'm just like oh like i'll just be the marin of the people that i know (laughs) (laughs) um as opposed to like the comedy because like nobody knows who I am like in the greater population but like people I went to school know who I am and they'll listen and so like I just like went real small yeah um, hey there's just so many little communities in New York and in the world and I don't even I don't even know what it means to be known by the greater population or be big you know what yeah. I mean yeah yeah because like even people with whatever the number of followers you think that is, like even those people are like, nobody knows who I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you ever like go on social media and you see like a musical artist or something with like two million fans and you're like, oh, but I've I've never heard this person's music before. Yeah. But two yeah. million people yeah. are like, hell yeah. This is my yeah. shit. Yeah, no, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Um, and it's also funny, like what is famous now? Like there's like what people what comedy fans like comedy people comedy fans know like anthony devito but like a regular person might not know who that is but i think he's like the best comic in new york or like one of them right yeah um, i don't know anthony devito and like that's don't fine. know him that's fine he's he's wonderful um but like when you when you say like comedian like people are like oh like seinfeld Chappelle. Like that's because he does four hours a year on Netflix. It's like hard to miss. Right. And in, in music is sort of similar where it's like, what do you hear on the, in the grocery store? You hear Taylor Swift, you hear like Coldplay right. 10 years ago or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean like, I think there's a difference between being known and being good. Um, and like, mm. not that those people at the top are like, just because it's popular doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Like I like Taylor Swift's music, but like, 
I um, am not like I don't have the full gambit of like all the songwriters um, to compare her to because I have a um, a casual relationship to pop music as opposed to like a, a deep dive. I, I mean, I feel the same because I feel like we're, we're getting older and our connections to mainstream pop culture are probably weakening. Um, it's not like, oh, like the bus driver plays you 100 on the way to school or whatever. <laughs> but um, I, I, tr- I try to stay engaged with pop music um, just because I feel like it's it's common ground to, you know, walk on mm. with other folks and the trends are interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And just the notion of a pop star is really interesting to me, too, because sure. it's a totally different thing than being a musician or being a songwriter. I mean, a pop mm-hmm. star can be all of those things, of course. But, um, yeah, it's just a freaky little performance art project in its own way. Yeah. Right? And that way, Lady Gaga is most interesting to me because it's like I've heard it described as she's like performing fame. And it's all its iterations. Mm. Somebody much smarter than me thought of that. I um, actually just saw A Star Is Born. I know I'm friggin' three years late. I just I saw it. Have you seen it? With you. Yes, yes. I'm happy to talk about this with you. All right. So no one told me to like reserve three hours for crying <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> it was like a really ugly cry. Yeah. Um, May I never love again. Yeah, she gets you. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I like that movie. People like, and like, it's, like there are parts of it that are a mess, but like I love it. Like I'm here for it. Like whatever. Yeah. Like, give me, give me Lady Gaga, just like going balls to the wall. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate people who are um, very earnest and like doing the most. I appreciate mm. those people. And maybe she's one of those people. Yeah. You know. She, she's like a theater kid. I mean, like you went to NYU. Like you get it. Um. Oh. Oh, I think. Oh, no disrespect. All love to NYU people, but I think NYU put me off theater people. That's fair. That's very fair. Okay, that's actually a a, a fine because so with Kim we got totally distracted and we ended up going in chronological order as opposed to like what is she doing now, and that like we started with like middle school church choir. Um, wow. Yeah. And then we went and we, we spent an incredibly long time in a fun way building to like what she's doing now. But with you, I'll do what I intended to do with Kim, which is like, what are you doing now? And then we'll go back and, and build up to it. Oh, like I love that. Hey, that sounds like a good trajectory for us, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing now? Um, yeah. So like you're a singer, songwriter, graduate student, lots of things. Yeah. Um, so I live in Bushwick, Brooklyn. That's where I sit right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a musician, primarily a vocalist. I write songs. I'm in a few bands, um, play with other bands. Like before the pandemic was doing a lot of, uh, like background singing work. And I really love being a side woman, um, on the right project with good people. Mm. Um, but I really like doing my own things too. And uh, I'm also a teaching artist. I teach music at a school and I like have my own roster of folks that I help with like songwriting and, and vocals and other things. So you're like really like piecing the, it's, it's not as the life of a, of an artist, you're sort of piecing together these little things that make up your schedule. 
Oh yeah. It's, um, it's something I enjoy. I deeply love scheduling and like okay. reflecting on how I'm spending my time. I'm a Virgo. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I like, um, seeing how I can fit all the things in and Sure. Do you find that that balance of writing your own music, singing background, teaching a, a kid one-on-one, -on -one, teaching in your school, do you find that those things like play off one another and that you learn something that can go somewhere oh. else? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's like very circular the way everything works together. Um, I'm very fortunate that I get to be musical all day. Like, yeah. I won't lie. Like, I work really hard, like at my school job. Um I work actually like at a preschool um, and we get Zoom. to do music. Oh no, we're in person. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe you had time for this. That's amazing. Um, Thank you. Oh, what? What? No, <laughs> no one asked me to be on their podcast. Of course I'm going to be like a podcast. That's cool. And if it's Gabe Malaga, of course I'm going to be like, I'm there, dude. Come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like my days at school are really tiring, but like I get to be creative and mm -hmm. I feel like that keeps me in the mode of, um, you know, being creative and I'm around all these little people with a lot of great ideas. That's fun. You are, do you, are they singing with you? Are they like writing their own songs with you with help? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, I teach in a very like song oriented way of like, oh, this song is about the springtime and we're going to talk about um, how to grow flowers and let's write a song about that. Or mm -hmm. we're exploring the concept of volume as like a foundational music concept. Let's sure. pretend that we're little sunflowers and then really big sunflowers. Like I try to like make it imaginative, but also like stick the theory in there and stick like the context of like, this is a song by, I don't know, Pete Seeger or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. And I think when I think back on like high level choir teachers, directors, people with like PhDs teaching me to sing in choirs in college and in high school, Mr. Ludwig. Um, it's a lot of like kind of similar imagery. It's like, all right, tenors for this section, I need you to like think in this abstract way for this passage or like to mm. teach dynamics or something like that. It's all, it's a lot of simile and metaphor, even for adults. Um, it's fun yeah. to bring that with, with, cause it, for it, it, it's foundationally the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like my interests and I think I'll I'll teach my whole life through. Um, I think I'll always be in a teaching role, although mm -hmm. I, I hope it will change and, and lead me to interesting places. But my interest as a teacher is more about like unlocking creativity and mm. um, instilling confidence. Um, like, I just didn't know how to believe in myself and my instincts as a kid, like, I, you know, no, no disrespect to any amazing teacher that I had because I had a lot of amazing teachers, but just I, that's something I had to work on personally. Mm -hmm. So since it took me so long to believe in myself and trust myself, I'm like, what can I do with these little people to get that going right out the gate, you know? Yeah. In a, with the explicit goal of, of like them making something or just like feeling a certain way about themselves? Like what are your, I guess your, your my, priorities my with, yeah, with their little kids? I mean, I just want them to have a great time and feel connected to a community. 
um, and feel like they can express themselves. But definitely there's kids in a room, even if they're like three or four that are just like singing their little asses off and you're like, Oh, they're going to be into music. Yeah. And then like a few years later, I get like the email that's like, Hey, come over for a piano lesson. And I'm like, I knew this day would come <laughs> because this kid was into it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny for me to talk about the Kim interview because it's not out yet and you haven't heard it yet. But like the, <laughs> o- the overlap is bananas with everything you just said with like the things that Kim was talking about. And one, it it like it doesn't break my heart. Everyone's on like a different path. But like you were always creative and singing and musical. And like, I guess, of course, it makes sense that like it took you a, a while to like figure how to I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like it sounds like it took you a little while to like let that shine in the way that you wanted to? Is that, is that where you're coming from? Yeah. I mean, music has been pretty, <laughs> I don't want to say accidental cause it's like what I've dedicated my life to, but like I've tried mm. to do a lot of other things. Tell me about that. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> here we go. Well, so like when you were an undergrad, did, did uh-huh. you know, like I'm going to do music in college. Like this is the thing for sure. Cause I don't want you, you have like a million options. The buffet is big. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was studying classically, um, like my senior, maybe my junior and senior year of high school. I I didn't Mm -hmm. study formally before that point, but I was Mm -hmm. studying classical voice with Hope Hudson. That's right. Remember Hope? Yeah, Kim talked to, I didn't take lessons with her. I took with Caprice, but yes, I do remember Hope. Um, Yeah, she was great. A lot of the things she taught me, I still think about those concepts. Um, Cool. I really do. But um, yeah, I was studying classically and I wanted to do music, but I didn't know any musicians. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. I knew amazing music teachers. Sure. And I knew classical musicians who were like our teachers in in Garden City. Mm. But like, I don't know. I didn't know any contemporary musicians that they were like, this is my job. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. I just didn't know that music was a job. Mm, it was either you were a teacher or you were an opera singer. Yeah. That was kind of the dichotomy in my brain. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I didn't know. And <laughs> Hope, actually Hope, I hope maybe she hears this. Like she really did encourage <laughs> me to sing. She really did. Um, but classical was not my path. It just wasn't going to be my path. So I, I was all geared up to like start, um, recording my like auditions and whatnot pre-screening, you know, the deal. Yeah. But then I just like, didn't, Mm. I just didn't know what to do with myself, but you know, I made like pretty good grades in school. So I just, you know, applied as like uh, liberal arts or whatever you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how I entered school. And I dabbled my freshman year um, in a lot of um, classes in the vocal department, seeing if like, all right, maybe I'll go back in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that just wasn't the path for me because the pathways were classical or musical theater. Mm-hmm. And um, that just wasn't for me. Yeah. No, I mean, I went to liberal arts college. You don't got to tell me like I uh, um, and I knew I liked it, too. But um, it comes a point where it's like, oh, in my free time, like, what am I listening to or what am I doing? And for me, it was not opera. 
And like, that's like sort of like the first giveaway, I think, where it's like, mm. oh, in my free time, I, I would have a voice teacher who was like, my wife on our first date, we listened to like a Puccini opera. <laughs> Being like, oh, like, that's not how I'm spending my time. Ooh, hot stuff, Puccini. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm totally with you. Like, actually, when I was young, I mean, you remember I would sing with the tenors and stuff. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when I was studying classically, my teachers in high school and college um, would give me like contralto operas, uh, like our arias to sing. Yeah. Um, And I over I've overcome a lot of vocal health issues in the Mm -hmm. last few years. But my voice was really, really, really low. And when I was I mean, for a teenage girl anyways. Mm -hmm. So I would get these arias that uh, for contraltos that are like the evil witch. (laughs) <laughs> or the old, like there's like Minotti's uh, console that like there's like um, an old woman who's like rocking her dead grandchild to sleep or oh like God. I just sang all this depressing shit. And <laughs> Are you saying that didn't inspire you, Mel? That seems strange to me. <laughs> well, I love like drama and I love sad shit, but like I just um, I wasn't seeing myself in those stories and therefore it was hard to continue. Yeah, you know, I know, you know. Yeah, it didn't make I the know, iTunes you know. playlist. Oh my gosh, no, it didn't go on my iPod shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's that's one big part of it. Um, it's just like if you don't if you don't love the music that like they're telling you is music, the wrong person could get turned off for it, and like it would be a shame if you weren't doing music. Um, okay, so so doors are. You're closing them too, as much as they're closing on you. And then mm. where are you in that process? So you're at NYU, you're in the College of Arts and Sciences, right? Yeah. Where, um, where do you start to like piece together your musical life? Because I eventually want to get to like songwriting and your bands and all that cool stuff. Well, I remember feeling um, kind of relieved the first few weeks of college that um, I didn't have this rigorous musical schedule because Mm. I think I had like a lot of anxiety about like you and I were on a similar schedule. We were in so many different choirs. We were in vocal jazz, chamber choir. We were doing Nismo. We were doing concert choir. We were like having all these amazing experiences. But I think I literally had anxiety of like, do I know my parts? And uh, what or am I going to get bullied if uh, if I don't know my parts? Um, not the girl sections were meaner than the boy sections, but yes. Oh, I had some experiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I had a sister, so like I. I would be like, choir is fun. And she's like, do you know this person? And I was like, oh, no, I guess I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some uh, bullying, but uh, I, w- I won't name names, of yeah. course. And I, I mean, you can't. That- I'll just d- delete them unless I don't want to. <laughs> um, yeah, there was like some bullying that I experienced. Um, that fucking sucks. I'm so about, sorry. About like my voice being too loud or my voice being not blending and all that. Awesome. Um, So, yeah, I just like wanted to get away from music. But then like, I don't know, a month into school, I was like, no, I want to do music and like joined uh, the women's choir um, at NYU Steinhardt. And later on, I did the Tisch all school choir. I was singing in some choirs. Um, Yeah, singing in some bands, like just seeing what was there. Yeah. Yeah. Fumbling my way through. Yeah, of course. And at, at this point, what are you studying? What is your major? I was a literature major. Well, I ended up doing complete too. Hey. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so you're do, so so you're doing literature, but on, outside of 
your coursework or are you taking some music theory and history and stuff like that too? Are you like I, took dabbling? Of, I took a lot of music classes. I didn't do it in an organized way. So I did not graduate with any sort of music major or minor, but uh-huh. gee, yeah, I took a lot of, a lot of stuff while I was yeah. there, which was really amazing. That's um, kind of better. You're just like, I don't need them to tell me what the curriculum is. Right? I mean, like, sure, but I probably did. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and no, no regrets, no regrets. Um, Cause an English major is a beautiful thing and I don't need to tell you that, but I actually really, really loved it. Even though I deep in my soul wanted to be a music major and didn't have the courage at that point in my life, Mm -hmm. I was full of joy at my little like English recitations, little small group classes. Like, Hey y'all, the passage on 46 was really cool. Like, what did you think? And everyone's like, fuck off. Like stop talking so we can leave. I was really into it. I, I really, really liked the English major. That's fun. I'm imagining like a lot of like thin boys in pants that are too big with paperback books. That's like what's in my head. Yes. Of what those classes were like. I'm yes. like how, how far off am I? <laughs> yes. Um, that is the true round glasses. Yeah. They're different. <laughs> they're different. And they want to talk about philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Oh God, and, was like and I'm just like, let's go to dollar beers night. Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about. I don't know, existential shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took a Proust class and like there was just some people in it that made it hard to be like, isn't it like I want I was somebody who was like, isn't this so cool we're reading this? And like some of the people in that class were like, Yeah, yeah but like Dick Hart says, and I was like, listen, let's right. just talk about the text that's in front of us. Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's that energy of I know more than you. Like, hey, philosophy, literature, I'm here to talk and wonder about all those things. But when people like do like the whole dick measuring thing of like, well, how many levels? Like, kind of like what you're saying. I'm not here for that. Yeah, yeah. Not here. If for you it. can't talk about the book in front of you without bringing up like without name dropping five other authors, like you might actually not know what's going on. <laughs> Right. Or you might not be engaged in the moment. You might just be thinking about your own thoughts. Yeah. Which we're all guilty of sometimes. But of course. Of it's course. it's uh it's nice to just like you said, think about the page in front of you. Mm. Mm. Um okay, so you're doing both of these things. And at this point, do you have any idea like what a because I didn't <laughs> I thought like at twenty two, like your brain just like turns off. Like I didn't realize um <laughs> that you would just like keep going. Um, and like, like I'd never had a plan past 22. I was like, I'm going to major in music and then I go figure it out. Um, and so at what point do you start thinking like, what am I going to do for work or to like pay a student? Like did that, when does that come into play? Lord. Um, I was scared out of my mind, Gabe. I was so scared. Like I remember I was an RA in college, which is a whole other conversation. Um, um, of course I was right. Um, (laughs) and I remember typing in our little like student office at the dorm and thinking my life is over after college (laughs) because I just I did not know what I wanted to do in my senior year. I think it was senior year. I took um, two writing workshops with Amanda Petrozic, who Mm -hmm. um, is an incredible um, like pop culture journalist and specifically like a music journalist. And that set me on a path of like, all right, I got this English major. I like to write. Amanda is a brilliant role model. I'm going to be a writer. 
Yeah. And I pursued that for a little bit too. Cool. Um, like post post grad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I have trouble realizing like in the moment is that like every, everything that you like deep dive into or explore, like it's all cumulative. So like it all matters. Mm, yes. Um, oh, well said. Um, because I hate the idea. I just read a book that like confirms this basically, but it's like the, the, the smartest, like best people like pivot a lot and they quit a lot. Mm. It's called range. It's the idea that like over specialization too young is actually like detrimental. Uh, and that the way like big problems get solved or by people who like, um, try this for a little while and then like pivot and they're like, no, 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 let me like deep dive into this thing. Maybe I want to do this. Um, and then like all that combined together, like creates like a person. Um, so you're trying to write, what were the things that you were interested in writing about? Music and, um, mm. like artistic communities. I, I wrote some really fun pieces, um, yeah. you know, for like, oh God, like probably like a dollar an hour. If you, like, <laughs> if you factored out like all the time I spent writing and interviewing and researching all this stuff, yeah. but yeah, I, I got to have some fun experiences. I, I covered jingle ball. Not to name yeah. drop, but like that was like I had Fifth some like little. Me is jealous. <laughs> I covered Jingle Ball and like wrote about Taylor Swift um, and like Sean Mendez, who was like not a household name at the time. Yeah. I was like, this young boy, Sean Mendez, came to the stage in a polo shirt. The girls screamed. <laughs> um, oh my you know, god! So That's so funny. I I had a few lucky breaks of like writing for some cool publications and that gave me like the taste for it, the the taste of um, other people's approval, let's say, of like, oh, it looks really cool that I had a piece in the Village Voice. Um, People think I'm worthy now, so let me chase this dream. But in reality, um, writing just wasn't my, my heart and soul. Like I would get like notes from editors at other publications that were like, you're too positive. No one cares. Like you need to be a critic. Oof, brutal. And literally that was the moment where I was like, this is not the field for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like, you know, staff happy hour. Like I liked the culture of being around other people my age and like artistic people and getting to go to fun events. Like it's all very glamorous, but being told you're too positive. What do I want to spread in this world? Yeah. You know? Don't we have enough snarky NYU people writing about stuff? <laughs> like, like truly, yes. like we have an abundance of that. Um, and yeah, sometimes like a good, like sometimes the wrong note is really informative. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. And even, and this is funny. I had an editor say to me, um, and it's funny because you're one of the only people in my life that still calls me Melissa. I, I, it's so funny because I saw you. I was like, does she go by Mel? Like, I truly, like, oh my gosh. Call you I know everybody calls you Mel. I just so, like, I hardly even answer to the name Melissa. Like, the only person, it's like you and my Nona. You and my Nona. Because my Nona's like, Melissa. Like, you're ruining your life. Get a real job. Get married. That's Melissa. so funny. Well, I could do that. I could do that too. Get a real um, job. Get, get a real job. Yeah, you have two of us. Yes, snowflake. Um, <laughs> no, so, um, but I had an editor once. I was like, hey, I saw that you uh, made my byline, Melissa Johnston, and I just want to let you know that I go by Mel, if you didn't remember. And he was like, you're going to regret that in 10 years. And I was like, um, I can go by whatever name I want to go by, bro, is what I said inside. But yeah. externally, I was like, do you really think so? Um, uh, okay, big, <laughs> of course, big man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
some jerk yeah that's horrible that's mean why would you yeah yeah i just it's terrible i want to be around uh kind people and that's what's yeah. great about teaching mm. you know like all of my colleagues work with little children and are very kind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they like What's fun, what I found with working with kids, because mostly I'm pulling from my summer camp experience where I worked at a camp for kids with uh, chronic illnesses, is that like we speak about kindness a lot, hmm. where it's like it's not a ton of work environments where people are like, hey, you have like your boss is like, hey, being kind is like a real priority here. And like the place is imperfect, like as all work environments are, but like there's something to pointing out when things are unkind. Uh, and you have to be good at that because my sister worked at City Year, which is like wow. a giant organization. And her, I don't want to put too many words in her mouth, but like this, the corporation was so big and massive that they would like say all the right things, but they weren't actually like caring or doing about the right things. Like they were still like exploiting labor and like doing all these terrible things. Um, but, wow. Um, but Under yeah, the guise like, of like, we're yeah, helping. Yeah, we're helping. We're, we're doing a kindness to the world. We're a net good. I, my, ugh, just young workers in so many ways are so screwed over. Yeah. This informs, I'm like a big leftist now. I'm like way left of the Democrats. And, and mostly of it comes from like a labor perspective. Absolutely. Where it's like, you can preach kindness, but like if you're paying everybody terribly and like, literally not like not being kind with your policies um let me tell you what i've worked for a lot of really i've worked for some amazing programs mm -hmm. um as a teaching artist yeah but i've worked for other programs that were so exploitative mm. and they're like do it for the kids do it for yeah. the kids like no if you want to motivate me respect my boundaries and pay me bitch yeah hell yeah pay me, call me by what I ask you to call me. It's like really like, <laughs> like the bar, if, if they only knew how low the bar actually was, <laughs> if you yeah. want me to like go above and beyond, um, treat me as such. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge, Mel. I'm glad. Okay. So the people you, but the people you work with now are like, you get that vibe from them. That they're really kind. Yeah. That they prioritize that. Yeah. Like, um, Although I work with students that are like my outside clients are like adults our age and older and whatever. But mm. like if I zero in and think about um, the conversations that happen as an early childhood educator, it's all about community building. Like people send mm. their kids to go to school to learn how to socialize. Yeah. So like that school. social function, right? Yeah. Is yeah. so important at any age level. Especially now when a quarter of their lives were indoors, not being able to see anybody, right? Oh yeah, it's bonkers. What age are your kids now? Two, three, four? That age? Our school has like a twos program, a threes program, and a fours program. Um, okay. And then you got some super senior five-year-olds. No, I'm just kidding. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're not super seniors, but like they started as four-year-olds, now they're five in the spring, yeah. little, you know. Yeah, they're in a PG year. They're there to play lacrosse before they apply to undergrad. Oh Lord, <laughs> basically. Yeah. They're in the preschool lacrosse team um yeah that's sweet and like you're good mel like you, uh, sorry melissa you are um <laughs> call, call me call me <laughs> sally call me whatever you want um that you're like you're one of the first people that they're getting like a real um community experience from that must be so thrilling 
where else are they getting this right the whole world is zoom yeah yeah i mean thanks for saying that now it just feels like a big responsibility easy (laughs) (laughs) no i'm sure it's all it's 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 all good but that's really that's nice that that's a part um that's a part of your life what now how does that balance of when you get off the the clock and when you're not working um with clients doing all types of lessons what where does your creative driving component comes in because when i talked to kim she was like mel is so um prolific in her song that's what she said yeah um and so i want to know nice yeah no i mean you guys are all nice that's why i want to talk um where does that come in where what um what is driving you slash inspiring you yeah it's it's tough because I feel like for the last several years, I try to write down in my calendar. Remember I said I like scheduling. I try to write down in my calendar, um, like little blocks of time where I'm going to specifically, um, practice or write. Mm. And it's really hard to stick to that. It's really hard to stick to it. Um, I've kind of carved out my work life so that I'm teaching in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, um, whether it's private music lessons or being at my school, I have really long days, Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, um, I teach usually just like lessons from my home office, which I'm sitting in right now. And it's, you know, I can wake up in the morning and write songs and journal and practice other songs I'd like to learn and other skills I'd like to work on. Um, until, I don't know, until someone has a lesson at 1 PM or whatever. Yeah. Um, so COVID has helped me, um, like just be home more to dig into that creative process, but you know, you could put it on your calendar, but the ideas come when they come and yeah, it's not such a bitch. <laughs> literally <laughs> I wrote a song at 4 30 AM last Thursday or Friday. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, screw you little song idea because I really wanted to be fresh faced next morning yeah. or yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. But like I have to follow this idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, are you a morning pages person? Do you do morning pages? Do you journal? What's that like? I've tried, I've gone on stakes of doing it and then not doing it. I've gone through phases of being a morning pages person, but it fills me with anxiety <laughs> because yeah. I feel like I'm like, he's like, I'm giving, I feel like I'm writing to a person that I need to update everything that I'm thinking about and doing. Mm. I would do morning pages every morning. Um, maybe if it was like one page and like, let it be creative weirdness. But for some reason, whenever I begin morning pages, I make it like an annoying redundant journal and that Mm. doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's about finding the stuff that makes you feel good. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there's a reason I'm not doing it now. And when I was doing it at one point, I was like, I just got to do one page because like the idea of just sitting here, um, is not helping me. Um, but I think at its best at at those, those pages at their best, um, help me like, um, just like get some junk out because they, the ideas do come in the middle of the night Mm. Um, or I'll go to sit down to write and just like feel anxious or whatever and be like, I need to do something else because it's just like not going to happen today. Right. (laughs) And, and being honest with yourself and saying, okay, it's not really flowing today and that's okay. I'm not a bad person and I'm not a fake artist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there's a lot of, uh, cynicism on like 
writer slash creative Twitter, but at its best, <laughs> there are times when I'm like, oh, like this person's struggling to like it, writing is really hard. And like that stuff, it does help to be reminded that like you can spend all day trying to write something um, and you just like can't crack it. Mm. Um, and you have to live to, yeah. to write. And like pe- oh we God, have this yeah. vision of like, sometimes I think like, wouldn't my life be so charmed if I wasn't this like working woman that gets up at six to be with the kids? And what if I could just do music all day? You know what? The ideas don't come when you're not moving and, you know, creating momentum and meeting people and hearing their stories. Then yeah. your work isn't going to connect with anyone. Yeah. It's kind of why, like, I don't know, there's like trust fund babies that are artists and have endless resources to create their art. But if they don't have a lot of vulnerability or real world experience, it's not going to connect. They're not wrong for making what they make, but it just might not connect if they don't have real life experience. Yeah. Your life has to have some compromise in it. Um, yeah. I've, I've found. And like, if you don't have, com- even just like, I was hearing somebody talk about like, yeah, it's nice to have a dog because like the dog has to go to the bathroom and now you have to like go take care of that. Um, And just like that little bit of compromise, like gets you out of the bed or gets you out of your house for the day. And when you come back, like, I don't know, just like I've been going for more walks recently. um, And it just, I just like need something to like, I walked in circles today around a couple of blocks because I was like, I just need to like be out of here. Um, And if you don't, at our, especially this year, if you're left to your own devices, like I will do nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walks are great. Yeah. Walks are great. Yeah. For the mm-hmm. creative juices, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like listening to a podcast or something or I'll, sometimes I'll just drive around and then like I'll start to get an idea and I'll just pause and then I'll just like, I talk to myself a lot. Are you, are you a talk yeah, to yourself I do. person? So I just found out that there are people that don't talk to themselves. Did you know this? It's called aphantasia. And it's people who don't, no, no, that aphantasia, excuse me, aphantasia is people who can't picture things. I have a friend who I won't uh-huh. talk about on the podcast because I guess it's a medical thing. But like, if if I say apple, <laughs> he can't like see an apple in his head. Mm, wait, this is so deep and fascinating. What? Yeah. And so when you say talk to yourself, do you mean like out loud or like there's folks who like don't have an inner monologue? Of- so that's also true. I have another friend. Who, this all started because one one of my friends told me that he didn't have an internal monologue. I sometimes wish I didn't. Yeah. It's loud. It's loud sometimes. Right. And he's like, I just do things. He's like, I don't think like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom or or, I got to walk the dog. It's like, he just like goes to do it. Wow. I know. Well, well, what's going on in your brain? Do you feel like you have a chatty inner monologue? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That like, that I will vocalize. Yeah. um, As I was trained to do in (laughs) music class. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I will talk to myself constantly. Um, and like right now, like since comedy's coming back, I had a really hard time writing jokes when there was an opportunity to perform them because it felt like too, it felt like trying to like launch a rocket, but like theoretically, Ooh. where it's like, well, do all the math of what it takes to launch a rocket. But like, you don't actually know how to launch a rocket until you like get out there with like the pieces and the, like the, the lighter yeah. fluid or whatever it takes to light a rocket. And so now that it's available again now like my brain is like every thursday i have like my show and then i'm getting booked on other things and congratulations oh thank you thank you yeah. for doing uh, doing stuff yeah yeah i need it um and that impulse of like oh i have a show like my brain just like takes over and it's like mm. ooh, let's be creative Ooh, let's like film and like cut stuff together and um 
are you in that same way? Are you excited to like perform live again? Has your has your songwriting um, changed? Um, hell yes, I am. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. What was the other thing you said? The thing, uh, are you, how has your creativity changed? Has it changed at all? Because maybe you're not like me, um, but has it changed at all now that we can perform live again? Like, do you feel a sense of urgency? Cause I re- I very much do. And it's okay if you don't. I, oh, I, I feel a big sense of urgency. Like, um, I, I love performing. I love it in any yeah. way. Yeah. Like some artists are like, um, I don't want to take gigs for money. Like I'd rather work a survival job. And when I perform, it's just my beautiful masterpiece expression of my soul, which, hey, shouts to those people like that's a choice. But oh, like I'll sing anything. I've, <laughs> I've, I've sung a lot of different with a lot of different bands that span different genres. Like I really love it all. And like in tandem with my teaching life, I've performed a lot of children's music and that's really fun for me too. Like I love performing in every way. So it's been hard to like, um, have those outlets. So, uh, lessened, um, that's been really, really hard, but it's going to be fucking fire when we're back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, what, so tell me about this new creative project. Uh, cause you sing with Kim, uh, Foxy yeah. Johnson, who I've seen at Rockwood and it was incredible. I loved it. Thanks for um, coming. Of course. Yeah. It was a blast. We yeah. ended, so we ended up at the jazz club. What was the Yeah, club? we did. The Django. And there was a the comedian. Django, yes. There's a comedian there who, I don't know if I ever told you this. No. I think I told you there was a comedian who was sitting like right by the band. And okay. it's this comedian that I love named Joe Firestone. Um, and she's like real. Wait, I know, I know Joe Firestone. Yeah. She's like real alty. Yeah. Um, she's like, I think she's hilarious. Um, but she, she's like real alt- alternative and like quirky and strange. Um, but like also like wrote for Fallon. So, which is like the most like mainstream comedy thing in the world and like was yeah. able to like still do it. Cause like, she's brilliant. And she was at the, so we go to your show and we end up at this jazz club and she's there. And I remember thinking to myself like, wow this place is so cool. Joe Firestone comes here. This is just like a regular night for her. This is a Thursday night for Joe Firestone. She's like out on the town. And then I got home later that night and I realized that she had performed stand up on Fallon that night. And she was at her like celebratory, like night out. Wow. You know what? You know what? Like, the folks that were performing that night, my really good friend, Freddie DeBeau, was maybe sitting in that night. Um, mm-hmm. But the dudes whose like gig it was, like... The sax player? I think they might play on late night TV. Maybe on Fallon. Is really? that the connection? Maybe Fallon that's the connection. has the roots. Okay, so it's not Fallon. Um, who, who, who else is on late night TV? Colbert me, has comedy John man. Um, And Stay Human is on... <laughs> Uh, the late show. Um, I want to uh, say maybe these guys like were kind of like the side men for the roots, like the horn section or something. Oh, interesting. On, on, That's possible. That's I, very possible. I could be wrong, but there's a late night connection. Oh, interesting. Okay. To, we're all to, we're piecing this night together. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Gabe, you never told me that. That's so funny that like this comedian you really like was at that place. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so Mel and the Tobo. So that's, this is your new, Kim called them projects. I didn't know that that's what you call a new musical adventure, but I, I do like it a lot. I'm like, I was like, Oh, I know the lingo. Like Kim's talking about like Mel's new project. Um, so I love that. Um, projects. Um, tell me about your new Mel and the Tallboys project. Well, thank you so much for asking. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> projects, yeah. Because like if you're like bands, it feels like a high school garage. You're like yeah, me and my band we're practicing. <laughs> uh, we're, I don't we're know. Going to warp tour together. Yeah. Um. So like we can be pretentious and say project. Project. But yeah, great. my latest project is like a kind of like a garage rock. Oh, I just said I just dissed garages, but it's like literally <laughs> a garage rock kind of project. Um. Yeah. I wrote a shit ton like last summer and last spring during like the peak of of lockdown. Um, But many of the songs I was like, these don't even go with any band that I'm in right now. Mm. So am I going to sing these songs is is should I give them to a friend? Like, should I should they live forever in my notebook? Like, where are these songs going to go? So. um, One song was like a soul pop, almost like Lake Street Dive meets Fleetwood Mac sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then the other song was like just straight, crazy, psychedelic rock and roll um, influenced by like like psychedelic Beatles. Yeah. And influenced by the raconteurs, like Jack White's band. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm not in a rock band. I'm not even like a rock singer. I yeah. forgot that I love to sing rock and roll music. And I forgot that God gave me a little tiny raspy voice that like <laughs> kind of works in that context sometimes. Yeah. Um, so Mel and the Tall Boys is a garage rock project. Um, it's a partnership with my really, really good friend, Kyle Lacey. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle's an incredible musician, vocalist, songwriter, guitarist. He play, actually plays everything. He's ridiculous. Cool. And I kind of came to him and I was like, hey, I booked studio time. Um, to give myself a deadline to like make a song (laughs) like you want to play like at this session and he was like yeah i'll play whatever you want and i was like okay great and then he was like how about if i like produced and like helped you like figure out what the instrumentation is and like what what where you want to go with the song and i was like yeah and then he was like the next day he was like well why don't we just start a new band totally (laughs) new project so it kind of just unfolded like that yeah. Oh, I love hearing that. It's so fun to have creative ideas. Sometimes we uh, we have creative ideas and in our current life, we don't have a place for them, but you just made one almost by accident, right? It's like if you wrote these songs that like, oh, this isn't for for Kim and Melissa. Who could this be for? Um, it's, I like the, isn't it fun to live a life where you're like, you're open in that way to like, I have this idea. It needs a home. That's such a, I'm really inspired by that. I like that a lot. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I feel like, um, there's a lot of ideas that, you know, pass through, a artist's brain or writer's brain and yeah, they don't all belong in the same, you know what I mean? Like some of my ideas are like, Ooh, that'd make a empowering little kid song or like, Ooh, that would, I, I should write a blog post about that. Or, Oh, I should write a song for the Foxy Johnstons about this concept. Like I think a lot of my things, and I'd be curious to hear how your ideas start. Yeah. A lot of my songs start with like a concept of like, I really want to write a song about thankfulness. Mm. What, like what images and experiences like relate to that. So it always kind of starts with a concept for me before the words and music starts flowing. Okay, fun. How about you? Like, like when you're trying to write like a like a stand-up set or like a mini sketch or something. Like, where does the idea begin for you? Um, it's where does it begin? It always begins with, um, 
Dino in the podcast I did with Dino talked about like um, something being a one inch punch. And it's been a thing I've been thinking about lately. Mm. So um, a one inch punch is just like a funny observation, just like in a vacuum. So like it can't like kill an audience because um, let me just see what I was writing today. This will this will um, <laughs> be exactly. Oh, um, so like I did this joke for years um, in a vacuum. It was a one inch punch joke about how um, uh, the women I've dated are more attractive than I am. So if Judd Apatow <laughs> ever saw me on a date, Game. we just start. I know, I know. You got to get past the the preface. There, okay. the the the. Um, I don't know words. Um, the premise that if you ever saw, if Judd Apatow ever saw me on a date with someone, he would just start making a movie was like the, <laughs> the joke. And so that's like a thing that I feel, but now suddenly like that's a piece of truth that I feel mm. whether it's true or not is up for debate. But now I'm like piecing together different pieces of truth that I found. So like another one I have is, um, have you ever matched with someone on a dating app? That's so beautiful. You're pretty sure it's your friends from high school playing a prank on you. Oh, and so oh. you're looking at the profile. It's like, all right, Nick, you can come out now. Like, we get it. Um, and so it's like, for me, like constructing this new bit I'm working on, is just like a little piece of truth here that I wrote down that I saved. That I'm like, ooh, this isn't alone. I know this doesn't quite work, but like connected with this other true thing could be a thing. Mm. Um, and now I'm um, a thing I'm, I don't want to give it away, but I'm working on this like new bit that I'm like suddenly really excited for. And like not one piece of it, um, is like the main course yet. I have a bunch of sides and I'm like, I, I told uh, this person I help that I work on jokes with, like, I can't, I'm, I have a lot of sides right now. And I'm looking for like the entree of this joke. Ooh, um, oh, I like that. That kind of yeah. paints the picture for me okay. as a non-comedy yeah. person. Thank you. Um, I'm glad it's helping me too, actually. Cause she, I was doing this joke and she was like, no, no, that's not the main part of the joke. Like, I want to know like, how, how did the date end? And I was like, oh, it ended with this thing. And she's like, that's the joke. Like, that's where you have to get to like mm. how you feel about this person. Um, it's so all like, like oh. timing and pacing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you have to do a million. That's why you have to perform. That's why like, you can't do this in theory. Right. Um, like what you were saying about the rocket ship, the theoretical rocket science, right? Mm-hmm, Cause mm-hmm. oh my God, like, yeah, without without knowing what people respond to, oh, that must be miserable, like trying to construct what you have to write. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mike Kaplan, the comedian who you would really love. He's like, I'll send you his stuff. He's like, I actually weird. like really love comedy. Like, I, I don't pretend to know a ton about it. Yeah. yeah. But um, I like to laugh, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike Kaplan used to be a, is a musician. He's and you will. He has cool. a he has a podcast called Broccoli and Ice Cream, where he talks to people about the ice cream being like the fun part of life, and like broccoli meaning like the work of life. Uh, it's really great. That's cool. Um, will you send me that later? I will send it to you. You will. Okay. Him. He's fantastic. Um, but he has this thing about like there was an experiment where it's like you have a hundred days to make a vase, and um, one guy spent the hundred days just, just constructing one vase. And he like did all the things that you have to do to like make this like perfect vase. And another guy made a hundred vases, one vase a day. And they were like, whose vase is going to be better? And it's the guy that made a hundred of them. And then on the last day made it again um, because he had failed a hundred times basically. But one person spending all their time polishing this one thing that was like a first try basically. So it's like Mm. better to, so that's why you need to perform all the time. You have to like keep making a new vase as opposed to like, in theory, I have this five minute chunk and it's just like, you need the feedback. Yeah. And just the muscle of doing something all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, because you start to, one of the things I missed when I was at my show, I was like, oh yeah, this is like, and Mulaney talks about this too. He's like, oh yeah, this is what jokes sound like. This is like, they, it's like a, a way of speaking to like rattle off jokes like that. Mm. Um, that it's not in your ear, and it, which is very different from singing, um, I found. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Stand up is oh my hat goes off to folks like you that that perform stand up and other bits of comedy like what I like I feel like I could put on one minute of a stand up special mm-hmm. and that one first one minute will dictate whether I turn it off or not True. and a lot of times I don't know do you ever just feel like this person's lying to me yeah <laughs> or like it's a big they're thing they're trying to be cool and I therefore I do not like them. I don't want to be cool and I don't want to lie. <laughs> That's mm. like my two big things. It's funny that you say those are the things you don't like. Those are the things I also don't like. Hell yeah. Um, but I also like a lot of times like jokes, like I was even hesitant the other, like to write something um, that like so blatantly was, I was, I was doing a thing about um, I could, I was talking to this girl on the, on the phone and I couldn't tell if she was real or not. Um, she felt real to me. She was asking me all these intimate questions like, what does love mean to you? And what's your mother's maiden name and your social security number? <laughs> and like that. Do you have Zell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and even that, I was like, the point of the joke was like something else. Like, I was getting to this other point. But even that little thing, I'm like, that's a joke that like will probably work, I hope. Um, but it's like, it's not, it's not the truth. Like the truth is, hmm. there's, and there's something funny in the truth of me um uh like that's like my next level of like how do i get to the truth of like what does it feel like to feel overmatched in a talking to somebody or to feel unworthy like there's more juice in there than like oh she's a fake person because like anybody can write that like she's a fake person like there's a million examples of like what it would mean to be talking to a bot but like i want to get to like the emotional truth of like i want to be an artist you know like i want to like make make i want to like express myself and if i don't have you know, a hundred thousand Instagram followers because of it. Like, that's fine. Like, I just want to make, I want to do shows. I do like doing long, I want to make an album. You yeah. Know, I'm working on the album. Congratulations. That's really exciting. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm working on. That's what I would like to do. This derailed. I want to talk about you. You were too kind to, to talk about me. <laughs> hey man, I like hearing how writers and creative people do their thing. Yeah. That's exciting to me. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, of course. Um, Oh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was how does this new project differ and or be the same than when you collaborate with Kim? Like, what is it like to collaborate with mm. Kim? How do you guys work together? Wow. We work together in so many different ways. Um, the way Kim and I sing together and, 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 and like work as the Foxy Johnstons, it's very vocal based. Cause like our whole thing is like, we're two lead vocalists, like singing together. Mm. Um, so like harmony and like vocal arrangements are, um, a big consideration of what we do. (laughs) Also like genre wise, I think the Foxy Johnstons are really different from what I am working on at this moment with my friend Kyle, um, with our band Mel and the Tall Boys, the picture this way, like you've got, let's picture a Venn diagram of like Mel and Kim, right? Mm -hmm. Like we meet in the middle and, and where those two circles in the Venn diagram meet, um, that 
is the sound those are the sounds that you will hear in our music as the foxy johnstons but then there's things that aren't intersecting in the venn diagram and i'd like to think that the things that aren't intersecting like um like you know dad rock or like old man rock and like weird freaky stuff that like we're exploring now in this new project like that's not really like in the center of the venn diagram what Mm -hmm. is in the center of the venn diagram is like vintage soul music and neo soul and jazz and um even some folksy uh really harmony oriented moments does that make sense so like genre um and also like i think different emotional terrain i think a lot of our foxy johnston stuff is like very uh emotionally vulnerable Mm. and i hope i also bring vulnerability to everything that i write and do um but i think me as the person singing in Mel and the Tall Boys and writing with Kyle in Mel and the Tall Boys, it's a feistier version of myself. Yeah. 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 Well, Does that all, make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, like, especially considering, again, I have this 24 hours ago, I was sitting in this exact spot talking to Kim about like her influences and like the stuff that, um, like her background. Um, and yeah, it, it of course makes sense. And like in a way that like, yeah, all bands have like solo projects and you get like a different flavor, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's, I'm thinking of my favorite. Um, like the Foxy Johnsons, we just want to make people like cry. I mean, actually we have some bops too. And like, they're like fun soul dancey numbers, but like, I feel like I just really want to make people cry and feel a really deep emotion when I'm singing with Kim. That, yeah. that is, it feels right. But I totally interrupted you. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I th- I'm, it's cool to have different priorities when you're like, this is my solo project. I mean, like, look at freaking Key and Peele, where it's like together they had a sketch show and then you get Jordan Peele alone and it's like this other thing. Um, yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense to me. And like stand-up is very solitary. Um, but mm. even when I'm like writing jokes with somebody, depending on who I'm writing jokes with, like I'll get a different thing out of it, let alone like a whole band. Mm. Um, so I don't think necessarily like it's better or worse. It's just like a different itch that you get to scratch. Um, and if the songs you were writing last spring and summer didn't make sense for you and Kim, I'm glad they found a home. That's like really sort of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, um, I thought these songs were going to be a solo project and yes, Mm. it is like Mel and the tall boys. Like, of course my name is up front or whatever. And I wrote some of our latest things, but it really is like a band dynamic and a partnership with my friend, Kyle. Um, but I had to divorce myself from the idea of this is my solo moment because you know what? My really talented, incredible friend, Kyle was like, I want to do this with you. Mm. So like, I think there's beauty to not being stuck in the, not being stuck in this has to be this way, like letting the moment and the energy take you. Like it would have been easy for me to say, no, this is my solo moment. But how do you say no to great energy when it fits? I would be a fool to say, no, this is about me only. Like you just have to take each project moment by moment and work hard and be flexible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I mean like that, that's the whole thing. You have to be open to stuff. Um, and I'm glad you have that. That's like a new, it's like a new outlet. It's like a, it's like a new child <laughs> that you're making. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's lots of songs that aren't good for me either, but my next, like, hopefully like graduate school will be a pathway to, um, writing songs for other artists. That's something I really yeah, want talk, to let's, do. Uh, let's start wrapping up with that. So you're starting graduate school in the fall. I am. That's so exciting. At NYU. At NYU, I'm going back, baby. I'm, I'm living the music life I didn't do the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, at NYU, is it Steinhardt? NYU Steinhardt, correct. And what's the program? The program is, um, it's housed in the, like, the theory and composition program, mm -hmm. but it's specifically uh, songwriting, like contemporary very, songwriting, yeah. Very, very cool. Thanks. Um, I took a one songwriting class with the guy that wrote hefty, 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 wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. The, um, wow. <laughs> he was in the, this guy was in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He's like a co-founder of that. And he went to Hamilton. Wow. He, he came back for like half a semester and we all took like a mini songwriting class with him. And it was great. I wrote like, I, it's so funny. I wrote like a love song with jokes in it and it was a real, oh, it was that. a, it was a real like precursor to like how I would spend my twenties, which is like <laughs> telling love stories with jokes in them. <laughs> um, that's so cool. that's, that's so exciting that you're going to be doing. So, and what is like, what does the curriculum kind of look like? Like, is it like preparing you for, to write, to write songs for other people? Yeah, basically, um, the curriculum is like a healthy mix of um, writers workshops where you're just like intensely writing, maybe yeah. to a prompt, maybe just your own original stuff. I'm not sure. Um, music history, um, theory and music business. So to like learn about publishing and like learn, you know, how to how to like make money and 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 not get taken advantage of and to learn about all the different pathways for songs like you could write jingles, you could write instrumental music for commercials, you could write, you know, there were a team of amazing writers that worked on a movie like A Star Is Born that had to write those songs that those characters sang. Yeah. You could write for pop artists, you could write for yourself. You know, yeah. I, I just want to know what's out there. Because if I have all these little ideas, like I want to put them to use, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is sort of, it's so funny. This is also sort of where we're, I wrapped up with Kim, which is just like, oh, your 30s are going to be dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm stoked. Like I mean, your whole life I feel like you get a little scared to turn 30 cuz it feels like real adulthood. Yeah, but I, I think my that. 30s are going to be even more fun and even more exciting than my 20s. God willing. Like yeah, absolutely. I, I can we can only hope, right? But mm -hmm. I, I see that for you too, Gabe. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um yeah, I hope so. I get that feeling. I just like it's that line in Gatsby, uh, the familiar conviction that life is starting over again with the summer. I think about that all the time. When this time, this time of year, I'm like, oh yeah, like, like we can be outside. Like it's, ex I need excitement in my life. Um, and it's cool that you're on the precipice of that. Like in like so many ways, uh, it sounds like you're going to like love the living hell out of this program in a way that maybe you weren't at 18, like weren't like, like this seems like a good path that you're doing it now. Thanks, Gabe. Yeah, I had to, I had to live. I had to make the weird mistakes and fumble around um, yeah. to be the the writer I hope to be one day. You know what I mean? Like, I really believe in that. That you need to have those life experiences. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I'm sure you could use this example for engineering too. But like, it's not engineering school. Like, you're 
you're becoming a complete person. That's also how you become like a more complete artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Empathy, vulnerability. We need these friggin' things to yeah. do our stuff and and to do our stuff beyond hey, I'm I'm Mel, listen to me sing. Like the it has to connect. We need to connect. That is the point. And if you're not connecting, don't do it or don't show yeah. it to anyone. Cause yeah. then it's just your ego and we don't need more ego in the world. Yeah. Well said. We need people who call you by the name you want to be called, who <laughs> connect with you. There's always going to be a little ego. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Know. To get up we're, on stage We're recovering theater kids, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> definitely a little, there's a little ego to like get up there. But like once you're up there, like you have an opportunity to like connect with people and like yeah. let them, let them feel, um, let them feel seen. Like my favorite comedy like I'm, I finish the hour and it's usually a long story and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm with this person. Like I know what this person mm. um, like felt like. Like there's a couple of Berbiglia jokes where one of them that stands out is when he's talking about like um, he gets called out in like ninth grade for being a bad kisser. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes like, I'm a bad kisser. That's kind of my thing. And I was just like, oh, I relate to just like the, the idea of like, you take this thing that's now embarrassing and you're like, now that's my thing. Like, that's who I am now. <laughs> um, I think about that joke constantly. Um, and so I want to write jokes like that. I don't want to just like, um, I don't want to just do bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Good for you, Gabe. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it don't mean I work this day job forever, but if that's what it takes, like to do the, what I want to do, um, I'm okay with that. And like, who knows, like our daily lives feel so immediate and so like forever, mm. but your life could look really different in one or two years. And like, like this thing that you never even knew existed could just kind of fly on in and that could be your, your new reason to get up in the morning just life is weird like that totally weird and i and i like i like knowing that that can happen it doesn't scare me as much as it excites me um, yeah because i didn't think i'd be here 10 years ago no way in 2011 um wow oh my gosh were you at hamilton college in 2011 i was i was oh. in an acapella group and i was god I, I i had so many mistakes to make um all right, Mel, this has been so lovely. Let me, uh, we do, as you know, we do fill in the blanks. So I wrote oh. you fill in the blank. These are your own personal fill in the blank questions. Here we go. Um, this is this is a tough one. I'm starting hard. Uh, your, <laughs> the favorite, your favorite song that you ever wrote. Not necessarily the best one, but your favorite one. OMG. Um, yeah. Fuck you for asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really love a song called Roll in the Mud that Kim and I recorded on our first DP that we put out. Hell yeah. Is that, where can I find that? On Spotify and uh, rolling all the on Spotify. Beautiful. things. Um, uh, if you had to do a job that didn't require, that didn't include music, what might you, be something that you would do? You had Ther to. Therapist. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I love that answer. Um, yeah, I think me too, actually. Yeah. Um, I always say I took I took one therapy class in college, and so I'm one thirty six the therapist. That's what I like to say. That, um, that that checks out. Yeah, that's that's all you need. Um, if you could play any, I asked this question to Kim too. If you could play any venue in the world, where would you play? Oh my gosh! 
Red Rocks. I, I've always wanted to play Red Rocks um, in Colorado. Cool. Is I don't I don't know it. Is it like the dopest dope? It's like a, I want to say it's naturally occurring, but it's like a naturally occurring amphitheater. Um, oh. And it's just like a rock formation. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. It's like, um, it's like the Jones beach amphitheater. If instead of capitalism built it, like the earth built it. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Um, also Jones beach. Damn dude. Yeah. Wouldn't. Oh, I haven't as, been there in a while, but I'd like to, you know, honestly, my friends and I were talking about this. We we're like, Hall and Oates is playing this summer. Should we, should we go to Hall and Oates? <laughs> if you get a ticket, call me. I would. <laughs> I I'm interested. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I feel like that would be sweet. Um, and if you can remember, no pressure. But the your favorite song that we sang in high school in any iteration. Ooh, <laughs> so many good vocal jazz arrangements. But you know what just stuck out to me? Uh, remember the version of Fields of Gold that we sang. Yes, of course. Remember that? Yeah, I really liked great. that. It was probably so cheesy from the outside, but I remember like living for that song. Yeah, that was a really <laughs> good one. That one that one got me a lot. For me, it was also um, Once Upon a Time. <gasps> yeah. Wait, how does that one go? Once upon a time, a girl with moonlight in her eyes put her hand in mine and said she loved me so. And it's fantastic. And yeah. um what Bobby Darren sang it. Mm. And there's this recording on YouTube that will break your heart because he's sing he's about to sing that song and he keeps asking the piano player to vamp. And like <sighs> and you realize later, I learned this in YouTube comments in like 2007, where he keeps asking to vamp because like he's sick and like he needs to like literally catch his breath. And he wow. asked, I think he asked three times to so like just do it one more time, like Johnny or whoever's playing the piano. And finally he sings it and he just like fucking crushes it. Like it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my Ooh. life. Yeah. I'll send I'm that like getting to you. chills thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Darren. Um, we said a lot of beautiful standards. Oh, we did. Oh. What a nice group that was. Um, it was so fulfilling musically. Yeah. Good kids. It, Kim and I spent a fair amount of time talking about it too. It's, um, that was pretty cool. I'm glad we got to do that. Mm. Um, well, Melissa, this was so nice. Um, I'm really yeah. glad we got to do this. Can I tell you a, a joke that I made just for myself this morning, but now I'll just like say on the podcast, yeah. which is that um, whatever it means to date in high school, we dated in high school. And so I thought to myself, <laughs> yeah, oh, I've never, I've never had anybody <laughs> on the podcast that I've kissed before. And then I Aww. thought, and then I thought, sorry, Mr. Seneca. <laughs> that was like the joke I made just for myself. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear that joke, he'd be like, Gabe, I am an educator. You can't know, make that joke. Well, because my, yeah, my friends make inappropriate jokes with me all the time. I'm like, I'm an educator. You need to all leave. Um, oh. But um, it's so nice to reconnect. Mel. I think the other thought I had was, I don't think I'm friends with any of my exes except for you. And oh. I was like, that's either really a kind thing about you or a huge indictment of me. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's the same here. Yeah, I'm not really friends with any of my exes except for you. It's nice. Because we're buds for life, man. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally feel that. I, um, I have a I have a little memory that's funny to share of like being at your house and like watching movies like you do when you have like your ninth grade girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. And I remember like 
being nervous and we were sitting probably like a foot away from each other on the couch and your mom I'm editing this out there's no way we keep this your mom comes in <laughs> your mom comes in um down the stairs with like homemade cupcakes and she flickers the lights on and off and she's like kids kids i'm coming down i've got cupcakes this is giving me hives <laughs> <laughs> how's your mom i miss her she's great she's listening right now not into the live feed um, that I know of, but uh, <laughs> to the podcast. Um, she's great. She's, um, yeah, we're all like bunkered down for COVID, but like doing well. It's like a nice family unit, but I'm moving back to Astoria soon. So I'm also Ooh. looking forward to that. Um, but Joy sends her love, of course. Hi, Joy. Yeah. Tell your whole family. I said, hi, I miss them. I will. I will. Um, well, Mel, this was so nice. I'm going to respect your wishes. I'm like uh, some editor somewhere and I'll start to call you Mel, um, but I, I will allow the Melissa's to slip out. Every once in a while, uh, because I knew you as a Melissa. You sure did. Um, Melissa's really nice talking to you, Mel. Yeah. And um, I can't wait to see you perform again. I will be there. And likewise, Gabe. Let's let's talk about all the writerly things. We should get a cup of tea or something soon and chat. That would be lovely. That'd be lovely. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Gabe. Bye, Mel. Bye. Well, that was our episode with Mel Johnston. Once again, I feel vindicated by asking the right people because I think she's wonderful and I hope you guys all get to check out her music and the joy that she brings to the world because it's important. Um, we live in a, in a scary time and people who bring light and laughter and music to it are my kind of people. Just a quick reminder to, if you can, support the GoFundMe for the Madigan family. That'd be very much appreciated. And I think now the only way to end the episode would be to have Melissa sing us out. So ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, Mel Johnston. Mm -hmm.